The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 618 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we promise at least 25% talk about PlayStation. I think we just got a knock on the door. We'll see if anyone shows up in the studio. PlayStation police. Someone's breaking in. Shuhei? It's Destin Legary, everyone. Hey, Destin. Come on into the show. It's cool. You can interrupt the beginning of Podcast Beyond, episode 618. He's just going to keep opening and shutting the door? Is he going to walk around the door? <laughs> All right, well, we're rolling that. with it. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of podcast. I'm just going to go with it. That's fine, that's fine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, I'm your host, Jonathan Dornbush. See you later, Dustin. He was Good here for a you. cup. Yes. When do you record Fireteam Chat? I'm walking in on that one. <laughs> Fridays. Uh, of course, I'm also joined this week in addition to the ghost of Dustin Legary by Max Coville. Hey. And Brian Altano. Brat, brat. You may be wondering, Lucy's not there again. Where could Lucy be? She's at a very important meeting, but she will be part of this episode later to talk about Jedi Fallen Order, which is now out. It's available. We've all played it. Brian, you've beaten it? Yes. Max, you have not beaten it? No. I have not beaten it, but Lucy did. Uh, I talked with her a little bit about her thoughts on the game, which we'll get to in a little bit. But before we get into all of that, as well as some big PlayStation news, I did want to first bring up a comment of the week. Uh, We started doing this last week, and... From the YouTube comments of the show or the IGN comments, uh, we'll reach in, pull out a comment, and this one was so boisterously positive about a certain member on this panel, I couldn't not read it on the show. Scary Hours said, Brian Altano! Sir, you're the reason why I found my favorite game of all time, which is now Bloodborne. Yes. And after discovering Bloodborne, I found Dark Souls. And from Dark Souls, I came across Demon Souls, which I am absolutely addicted to. Thank you, Brian. You are a giant among men. You are better than the rest, and you should be given a hefty raise. They need to change Suck the name <laughs> from IGN to AITM. Altano is the man. And it's you, a, sir, deserve a, a 10 out of 10. Ain't we, a tool, man. We didn't even get Bloodborne a 10 out of 10. No. Um, but, but thank you. you no, one. ain't a tool. Cool, cool news. <laughs> ain't a tool, man. Um, no, thank you very much. We, uh, we, I, don't, I think there's like a value to yelling about old, wonderful treasure games like yeah. that. Like that, That's a game from 2015. And yeah. still, like I, I don't know. Like it, there's, there's. This is always a good time of year to play it. Even though I've bounced off that game like three times because I'm bad at games, uh, the amount at which the two of you and Lucy as well have talked about how great that game is, I am eventually going to go back and keep pushing forward until I get past that first terrible alleyway of men. M- Max Scoville and I were in one of our particularly common joint 
uh, funks. Sure. Where we were both sort it's of not just a, like, That's not a weed thing. It's a depression thing. Yeah. <laughs> we were both just both in a sort of like grumbly In wet, one of your dad yeah. funks. Yeah, one of those yeah. bad dad funks. We were in one of our miasmas. And uh, we started talking about Jesus It's Toast, who's an amazing Bloodborne speedrunner. I've shouted him out on the show before. I'll do it again. Um, he took a break for some personal health reasons, but uh, he's sort of starting to get back. And we put on one of his speedruns. I think it was the one of the runs he did for um, Awesome Games, Games Done, Done Quick. Quick. And he, just watching that dude plow through that game, even having played it a bunch of times and like, uh, like he'll, he'll just do different runs where he's like, I'm just dual wielding or I'm just doing like this, this gun or this, this weapon. He's like, um, today is flamethrower day. Yeah, I'm just going to flame fire spray or whatever it's, it's the called. Best. Yeah. It's uh, crazy impressive. So nope, shout out to him. That. That's Jesus. It's toast. Or here's toast. I always get his name hey, screwed Zeus, up. Here's toast. Yeah. Um, look him up and watch yeah, his Bloodborne. So good. Runs. And also like, I, I just love that. Like, if you ever want to feel really bad about something, just watch those because you'll feel like a like just a fat thumbed simpleton. Yeah, yeah he just honestly. goes in there and he's, he'll be like casually talking, and he's like wearing like his character's like half naked and just wearing suspenders, and he's like just running around looking like Jack Skellington, and he's just like you know flipping off of roofs and like sequence breaking and just mm-hmm. you know two hitting bosses, and you're like, I okay. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will also uh, piggyback on this opportunity to, you, as usual, further deflect praise off of myself because I have imposter syndrome and I'm incapable of taking it and dump more praise on Bloodborne. And also piggyback that by saying uh, I really hope we actually get some sort of pro patch or a PlayStation Five, 5 patch, patch for this game. Yeah. Like I don't even want like an entire, H, you know, overhaul or anything like that. But just like. I don't know. Tighten up the graphics on level four or whatever. <laughs> Click the button. Export the uh, the HD 4K version. I just yeah. Ever since you mentioned it for our PS5 wish list episode, I more and more am on the idea of like yeah, a Bloodborne PS5 like special edition game of the year edition thing just sounds right. Like, God, that just yeah. seems like such an easy additional thing to have. They should have a special edition PS5 that's just wet. Like you just take it out of the box and it's just wet and you're like, why is it wet? <laughs> Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Yep. And it's got the little the little goblin men on it and they're like, blah, 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 blah. Uh, well, in addition to wet PS5s, we talk a lot <laughs> about PlayStation on the show and we're going to do that before we get into impressions about Jedi Fallen Order. And for those of you on the YouTube channel, this is where you can say the show begins in the timestamps with News Crunch. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie Barrier. By the way, you have a package in our mailroom. Yeah, Ronnie, please come pick that up. Come get your mail. And across and then, the country. And then come back and work here because yes, we miss you. Please do that. We do miss you. Uh, and Love if you, you, Ronnie. If you too, in addition to, I don't know if Ronnie did. I think he was the one sole exception. But if you have imposter syndrome as well, be sure to check out the IGN job openings. Uh, without further ado, <laughs> moving on. Wanted to start with the biggest piece of news this week, which was definitely a PS5 patent. That seems to reveal what is likely, and again, this is not officially confirmed, the final design of the PlayStation 5 controller. Um, In recent reports for the PS5, for reference is worth noting, they have not named the controller. I am definitely going to call it the DualShock 5 because they're definitely going to call it the DualShock 5. <laughs> but they make things so easy over there. They There's, do. Yeah, it's like it sort of removes all the fun of like guessing what the next things will be called because yeah. we know, but at the same time it's like kind of comforting. But they still like holding off on telling us. There was like that 6 month gap between the initial like the new generation of PlayStation and then like yeah, it's PS5. Yep. It's like could have just said that, but yeah. Well, there was the original <laughs> DualShock. Mm-hmm. Did they call it was it called the DualShock 2 with the PS2? That might be the exception. Cuz I feel like it wasn't until the did they call it the DualShock 3? The 3 was, yeah. Wasn't were... that first the 6-axis, though? Yes. What if they call it the 5-axis? 
That's a step backwards Ooh, from the 6-axis. What, what if they just mess every? What if they found out that it was the 6-axis that was screwing everything up? That could be part of the problem, yes. Yeah. I yeah, that was probably... <laughs> <laughs> you listen to me spout a lot of nonsense, but it's not that often I get to see you just like break a little bit. There's, there's, a, there's a couple times a day where the gears in my head just jam into each other and yeah, explode. Yeah, you just, you just like stopped. Yeah. Sorry. It's going to no be that kind of show. Let's talk about the controller. To. So, yeah, the controller. Quit the, messing around, Jonathan. I'm trying not to. Let's talk about patents from the Japanese Patent Office website. Uh, they noted that the patent has been issued. Again, these are just illustrations. We have not seen a physical one in use. Uh, Wired, when they most recently published about the PS5, did note that they got to play with a uh, prototype of this controller and said it largely was like the DualShock 4. And these patent uh, drawings seem to indicate whatever this new controllers, we're going to assume these are close to the final uh, version, are pretty much the DualShock 4. Um, to give a quick recap, they include basically all the standard buttons you'd expect, so the directional buttons on the left, the face buttons on the right, the two symmetrical analog sticks at the bottom, uh, L1, R1, L2, R2, uh, a PlayStation button sort of at the middle top of it, uh, most notably the speaker returns from the DualShock 4, the Big touchpad returns, what seems to be a touchpad, we'll get to that in a little bit. People have some questions about that, as well as two buttons, which are basically where options and options and share are. Right. So assuming those are coming back as well. Notably, though, on the sort of like front back of the controller, I don't know what directions of controller are. Uh, it's now using a USB-C plug-in, which we know is expected to be used for charging the controller. Which you can plug in correctly every single time. Yes. It's God, not it's so one nice. or the other way. So USB-C is that. wonderful. What a, uh, what a just a, a little bit of joy. Yeah. That's all. Uh, and usually the USB, well, USB-C <laughs> is also usually indicative of faster charging capabilities yep. and hopefully a better charge, but we'll get to that. I, I already said that's all. No, uh, most notably, <laughs> there's no seeming light bar yeah. on the back of the controller. Uh, the DualShock 4 introduced the light bar there, which primarily for PS4 base games, you know, some games have used it to be a little gimmicky. Some like change based on your health meter. Some are based on the multiplayer uh, color of your character you choose in the multiplayer game. Sometimes it changes there. But primarily, they don't really have a gameplay function. They just get reflected back at you from the screen when it goes dark for a second. Yes. Um, and you don't really see it while you're playing. But those lights are used for PSVR games for tracking. Um, so that seems to be a notable omission. Uh, the other sort of general thing I want to talk about is just the form factor. It pretty much seems like a PS4 DualShock, but the uh, the handles, the grip seem to be a little chunkier and more akin to an Xbox One. Mm-hmm. So this, I, are the sticks a little smaller too? They might be. There, there's definitely a large like circle around them. Like yeah. The, the sort of the area that they seem to take up at their base seems to be roughly similar. But yeah, they do seem a little smaller. Yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, that's definitely not a change that I don't think anybody was like sort of screaming for. Is uh, make the control stick smaller. Like generally, smaller analog sticks are not my favorite kind. Um, they happen to show up on Nintendo stuff here and there, and I, I find them kind of cumbersome a lot of times. Uh, that said, I think that like. There, there's definitely a, if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know? Yeah, DualShock 4 here. is, yeah, I wanted to get your guys' overall thoughts because the DualShock 4, I think, is their most acclaimed, mm-hmm. like, universally accepted. This is a really good-feeling controller. Yeah. I love it. Uh, some people definitely do still prefer Xboxes, and I would say the 360 controller usually edges it out a little bit for me. But the Xbox One controller, a lot of people love. I think the form factor of the Xbox One People seem to like more than the like tubes of the DualShock Four. This is this is petty, but I don't 
I don't like the idea of the Sony controller gradually becoming more like the Xbox controller. Yeah. Because they've been making this controller longer than Microsoft has, <laughs> and it feels like they're sort of like they're just like you know succeeding that to be like oh fine we'll make it more like yours just to please the crowd but it's like but i want that silhouette <laughs> to, want to me it's it's like the sort of like ultimate maturation of what was once evocative of the snes controller that's the original mm-hmm. playstation controller is basically just like what what if snes controller but for playstation yeah, it just grew little legs yeah i mean i i think that the big obviously divide that happens with people's preferred function of controllers is whether or not they want asymmetrical sticks or symmetrical sticks and like i'm luckily capable of jumping between both of those things. I know there are some people who just straight up can't go from Xbox to PS4 or vice versa. It just like totally breaks them. Um, But for the most part, I've actually always preferred the symmetrical sticks. Um, I think that like the advantage that Xbox does have is that they have multiple SKUs that scale towards people who want a little more customization and they want like those weird back paddles and stuff like that. There's nothing as funny flaps, (laughs) the tappers. There's nothing as great as the Xbox one elite controller on PS4. When it comes to like customization, there are, um, I haven't gotten to try to be fair. The the, the Hori ones there. I think Hori might make some, uh, Astro makes makes a new one. I've heard good things about that. Which I really want. I don't know why I don't have that. Yeah. That one is the one I want to try. I reviewed another one and I'm forgetting the maker of it. Forgive me, but it, it wasn't quite there because the pads on the back of the Xbox one elite controller, more fit to where your like fingers naturally rest mm-hmm. when you're holding it. This one for PS4, they all came down in the center, so you had to reach over into the middle mm. of the back of the controller, and it was yeah. just a little unnatural. But for, for the DualShock Five, as we're calling it, and yeah. we'll continue to probably for the rest of this and next generation. Yeah, um, I find it odd that the touchpad is still there and it is still so prominent and doesn't seem, at least based on the stuff we've seen so far, to be different in any significant way like maybe it'll have multi-touch or something like that but that's we've we've like joked on the show for years that that's that that has basically just been relegated to a giant button or it's an extra pause like yeah or like scrolling on the map which even then like your brain doesn't naturally always Mm -hmm. think to do that because you're already uh, your thumbs are already on the sticks yeah uh john from the podcast beyond facebook group actually asked why do you still why do we still need a touchpad in 2020 aka the big pause button yeah which it um, actually is <laughs> the wind I button a, i have a theory yeah i think that that entire <laughs> that entire thing was 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 made for dreams which isn't out yet so it's going to be a ps5 game and they need to have the touchpad for dreams i don't know why i think it's very important Okay. If you're uh, using Dreams in early access, Dan Cool, tell us how much you use the touchpad. I but feel like probably not that much. Probably. Just, yeah. uh, but I mean, it is backward compatibility to me is the obvious reason it's there because this way, every game that's on PS4 that's playable on PS5, the control wise, nothing has to be readapted. Right. Like when you're, when it's just playable on PS5, there has no computational need for it to be like, but where do I put this button? Which is good because if you look at like the sort of the crossplay stuff that we saw with Vita, like that was pretty uniform, but until it wasn't, yeah. there were times where it was just sort of like you had to uh, essentially fabricate buttons on the back using the back touch screen and stuff like that. And yeah. Things got a little wonky. You know what the Vita could have used instead of a back touch screen games. was just triggers, but also games. Yeah. yeah. No, it no had, I mean, I, I, I love the Vita. The, the sad thing is that anytime something isn't just buttons, it makes it so much harder to like port it to, yeah. to remap it. Like yeah. you see this with, uh, with Vita stuff with, with Wii U stuff with, 
DS through 3DS. Well, like, even it's just... like Tearaway to Tearaway Unfolded, the console version, they had to make a lot of changes because that game fully used the Vita. Mm-hmm. It used every piece of it. Yeah. And then it was like, now put it on a DualShock. It's also mm-hmm. like, I mean, to, to, to fully humor the nonsense you said earlier about dreams being the exact reason why this <laughs> giant thing is there. Um, we have seen in the past sort of killer apps at launch that are, desi- are designed around a specific apparatus on the system. If you uh, Nintendo does this all the time. Uh, obviously, the Mario 64 and the joystick being the first analog stick really to be fundamentally placed into every single controller at the start of a generation was a big thing. And that's they, those two went hand in hand, but we've also seen companies over time launch with features and then slowly backburner them. Um, which I think we did see with a lot of Vita stuff, you know, back touch was basically phased out after a mm-hmm. while. Um, let's see the three axis, six axis, yeah. the, the yeah, motion controls, uh, I mean, the, 3d on the 3ds, 3d on the 3ds game on 3ds for the last three years of its life barely use 3d yep and then there's there's sort of like mid-generational jumps like Wii motion plus which started as a plug-in and then became base as, as part of the yeah. default um so i think that they're obviously they're future proofing stuff um that said we are probably heading closer and closer to a console generation that has mid-cycle upgrades and so why not revamp everything at the same time you know like the backwards compatibility thing is is something that is important and it's obviously being baked in on day one for the ps5 but if we look at the the playstation pro model of like introducing a new console mid midway through the generation or the fact that like if you try to pull up apps on a phone from four years ago they don't work uh there's obviously a sort of planned obsolescence when it comes to some of this stuff so i wonder how much push and pull we're going to see there well and it's also the other interesting thing is the other confirmed aspects of the controller we know are in there which are for lack of a better term, similar gimmicks in that the haptic feedback that's more designed to make the controller simulate the feeling of different things in game as well yep. as the more adaptive triggers that can uh, more precisely, like, I guess, give you fine-tuning mm-hmm. of how it is to pull back a I bow. mean, how, how cool would it be if, like, the touchpad is actually suddenly a thing that we all love and use? Yeah. Like, what, yeah, if, like, what, if, what if, like, lock-picking or, like, moving a dial is suddenly... Like, if you drag your, your, your thumb across the touchpad, now it's just like, okay, that's like a crappy like IBM touchpad from an old laptop. But like mm-hmm. if there was a haptic thing that made it feel like there was a ratcheting sensation, you're like, Oh, that's a, you know, that's like a safe combination. Yeah. Like, like right. locks always have those sort of like six pins or whatever, as people are like picking a lock I mean, in the game be, and you just yeah. feel through to find the weak you one. Get like little bits of that. Yeah. And, you know, current games, but something that actually like really took advantage of that. Well, was, the, the interesting thing is I think it depends on how much the industry at large takes these things. Off. That's exactly Usually it. these things die because they aren't used on a widespread level. And if Xbox has similar things in it, especially with the haptic feedback and triggers, which I think we've gotten some rumors and speculation, even some talk that they are leaning toward possibly including those things, it's much more likely that the industry as a whole will adapt those for what we use. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue though, right? It's like with third parties, there has to be parity. And if they don't feel like developing and taking a month or two to develop for these like specific systems on one platform, that being said, this could be the market leading platform and that gives them some justification you end up with like features that uh would either be ignored entirely on a hardware level or would only exist on one specific platform and could in fact also deter um i look at stuff like 
Rayman Legends, which had like the Murphy touchscreen stuff. Yeah, for the and Wii on U. yeah, on some yeah. systems that was like a kind of a pain in the ass, and on others it was nixed entirely. Whereas something like Chinatown Wars, when it came to DS, had a bunch of like touchscreen stuff for like lock picking to steal cars and open trunks, and then they put it on PSP, and they were just like, just press A, <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, like flip side, like I don't know, you push the home button on an iPhone. That's not a button. That's a flat thing. Yeah, I also totally have. Well, I don't even. Ha- I don't yeah, even yeah, have yeah. that button. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. No, it's 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 a wonderful, fun little gimmick. You've got, like <laughs> facial recognition. That's a PlayStation Six feature. Yeah. But, like we'll we that. don't. I think it's very easy to think haptics and think like, oh, it's going to be like a you know like a Wiimote, you know, or a, a, a Joy-Con. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but like, it's going to be kind of cool if that. Like, does it actually say in the in the patent if it's if the touchpad is still a button or if it's well, it's actually unclear. And I brought in a question that some people have speculated because there were like what I think are kind of fake, but interesting mock-ups that people did months ago. Um, on that note, Brian, not you, another Brian from the Facebook group, asked, Hi. do you think they'll put a touch screen in the DualShock 5 in place of the touchpad? Would love to have a touchscreen at the ready for the uh, chat, in-game map, etc. I know that would be a huge drain on the battery, but it's the next logical evolution of that design. Oh, like an actual, actual screen, screen, like a VMU. Like this, <laughs> yeah. this little thing here for switching news crunch and you know playing the podcast unlocked intro theme if don't touch mean. that it's very yeah, expensive i'm not gonna yeah. touch it but you i mean that's, the IGN it's it's kind of crazy and you see this with like some gaming keyboards where like there will be like special dedicated buttons that are like oh this is your you know like yep. this is your hot bar or whatever like that that would be kind of amazing if we got that on a, on a controller it'd be really cool my worry kind is battery, a, yeah though. battery yeah and it would be a pain in the ass but because the dualshock 4 yeah. already has the worst battery life mm-hmm. yeah battery. you and i were talking about that in the office yesterday actually um i wonder why that is you, you sort of theorize that maybe they just use the cheaper battery than the competitors the xbox controller uses uses double a's and i remember right off the bat i was like well we're not we're not going to do that and i bought <laughs> one of those like battery packs yeah. that charges play and charge kit or whatever it's called um but other people swear by those things because when your battery dies in your controller you don't have to replace the whole controller on xbox you can just pop in new batteries Mm -hmm. um and on ps4 you can't although i've never had to deal with that personally yeah i don't know if you guys have i haven't either but at the very least something like usb-c charging to me implies one faster charging which will be great and i don't have to just leave it like overnight but presumably a better battery as well yeah. is being in use there. That'd um, be cool. The the lack of light bar f- f- is really interesting for the sort of like continuity of PSVR though. Cuz yeah. that that puts that system in a weird spot. Yeah, uh Chris from the Facebook group asked, didn't they confirm that PSVR is going to have continued support on PS5 since the new controller patent doesn't have the light bar? How is PSVR going to be supported with games like Astrobot which keeps track of not just the lights on your headset but the light on the controller. Yeah. And yeah, it's a weird what does the legacy then of the DualShock 4, do we need, continue to need those in the same way we need a PlayStation Move controller from the PS3 era? Yep. And then suddenly the PS5 supports three eras of controllers. Well, that, I it. mean, that's sort of the weird, the weird legacy that happens when you have like platform-specific hardware functionality. It essentially kills off any future-proofing whatsoever. And it's like, if we are sort of heading into an all digital potentially streaming future to have all of these uh, sort of walled gardens of video games that are locked off by specific hardware features. It makes things difficult. So I think any console manufacturer in 2020 needs to look at the past and look at the future and, and understand that like anything that they decide has to be something that sort of works for a very long time. Um, cause it, you can't just take a PSVR game and drop it on 2022's version of PlayStation now, whatever they decide to call it or rebrand it. 
if it only works specifically with like now two generations of old hardware controllers, you know, yeah. like a move controller and, and another thing, like eventually they'll have to figure out a way to have some sort of like way where these things can communicate congruently. Yeah. Like they've, they've introduced new PlayStation move controllers that have better, uh, battery charging capabilities and everything. But we haven't gotten a major upgrade in the controller front, but yeah. assuming they're going to keep with something like that, do they introduce a new generation of those as well that come bundled with a like PS VR DualShock, and that still has the light bar on? Yep. It. Like, do you need that to play? Like, it's- somebody somebody got really mad at me in the comments for talking about the original PlayStation VR controllers, which use USB Micro instead of USB Mini or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And like. I think that there are people who just got like like that, the new controllers came out like a year after PlayStation VR. I'll I'll, I'll back you up on that. Yeah. By the way, um, not only did that happen, but also there was a massive shortage of move controllers when the original PSVR SKU launched. Yeah, making it next to impossible to actually go into a store and purchase brand new ones because they were all, mm-hmm. from what we heard, boxed up from the previous generation in shortage and also a lot of their batteries had exploded because they were like literally <laughs> oh, were seven or eight years old yeah. oh. and so what i did was i had one i don't know why because i have like just relics of old sure. i have a drawer full of just like vintage video game controllers yeah. and one of those like weird prepper dad things to be like <laughs> someday we'll need these um and i went on gamestop and i purchased a used one basically the second we found out that that was what that system was going to use and we had like heard rumblings of shortages i bought i think i bought a set of a set of them used and so i have one playstation move controllers where the the ball is like bright white because i'd never use it and another one i bought probably from like a chain smoking alcoholic (laughs) psychopath on gamestop's website Mm -hmm. that was like deep deep beige and so i have these two controllers that are like different things i don't even know if psvr can see them well Um, (laughs) cop and bad cop yeah Yeah. exactly and so eventually they did reissue newer versions of that with a different uh usb a different charger we have different sets of those in the office and it's actually really funny because depending on who uses what psvr has said it's like do you have a USB micro? No, I have a USB mini. Okay, yeah. I can't charge these mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> no, I think th- their assumption with PSVR, which you know is wasn't exactly the smoothest rollout for something, yeah. um, was that people just had boxes of old Move controllers sitting around because you couldn't walk into a retail store I during that time. I think they had boxes of, you, of PS yes. Move controllers sitting around. Everyone yeah. else yeah. must also. Yeah. No, they were and like, we got to get rid of these somehow. Let's invent a VR headset to go yeah. with them. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a running joke that the, this flagship new future futuristic video game hat couldn't work unless you use stuff from a generation, a generation prior. Ago, yeah. yeah. It's it's very strange and it does pose a lot of questions. And obviously the patents don't confirm the official final design, which we probably won't see for another few months. I assume that's something we might see at the launch reveal event that we're all hypothesizing mm-hmm. is February. So if that's the case, we probably will have a better idea then. But it, it does raise a lot of questions about the backward compatibility nature of this. Uh, but it also, it doesn't shock me that the DualShock 5 patent looks a hell of a lot like the DualShock 4. Yeah. And I don't think that's bad. No, and the good news is the PlayStation 4 was a tremendous success. Yes. So if we do need to run out and buy a bunch of old DualShock 4s, I mean, like, they literally made a rose gold one, like, two weeks ago. There's yep. a clear one. Like, there's constant... I saw, like, a... Like Slick Deals had a sale for the clear one for like thirty or forty bucks the other day. Yeah, like yeah. you'll be able to get them. This was a hit. The move was not. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so if you need a DualShock Four, if there's some, if it's not compatible with 
PlayStation 5 games on the whole, but you need it for PSVR, you can probably find one pretty easily. Um, But yeah, obviously we'll find out a lot more on the DualShock 5, whatever its name is. I assume the name will come in a month in an article, and then we'll get the reveal of it and see what it looks like. Orbis. I'll take Orbis. (laughs) I hope Uh, it's the boomerang. Bring back the boomerang. If they sold a special edition boomerang, people would buy it. Dude, they did that, like, I mean, obviously people have nostalgia for it, but they did the Duke... The Duke controller for Xbox, which is like this big gargantuan, horrible thing that people love because they they used it. The boomerang never came out. That was like a that was like an E three prototype thing, right? Yeah, it was it was so hated that they were Mm -hmm. like, all right, we're just gonna put the six axis, put some motion in it. If they actually released the boomerang, people would like there'd be so many weirdos all excited. Oh God, I'm excited about it. I would get one of those, especially if it had motion motion controls for driving games and said vroom vroom vroom. Um, (laughs) Or you put feet on it, and it could be the baby's legs from Death Stranding. Oh, there you go. Uh, Lots of bad ideas Whatever the boomerang you want it to be, it can be with the power of the PlayStation 3. Uh, Moving on from that, a couple other pieces of quick news wanted to briefly mention. uh, Blair Witch, which was formerly an Xbox One console exclusive, is coming to PS4 on December 3rd when all platforms, I believe it's also on PC, get an update to the game that essentially allows you to customize your buddy, the uh, good pup in that game who's with you the whole time, which for all... Uh, that I've heard of that game is the best part of that. Yeah. So if, yeah. You, if you want a customizable pup, play that game. That's a really weird thing to add to your horror game. Yeah. You know, of all the things to add to Blair Witch. Yeah. That's a I, dog dress up. I play that game. That's um, it's not, it's not great. Yeah. It's interesting. The setting is really cool. It definitely mimics that feeling of being completely disoriented and lost in the woods. Um, but ultimately, I think that like I played that game because it was free on Game Pass one day, and that made it. And the same reason people defend Cloverfield Paradox, where they're like, "Ah, oh, it just showed up on my TV, and I didn't have to leave the house. Great, didn't cost me anything." Um, I, I think that like paying f- full retail price for this game on PS4 is, unless you're like totally starved for you know survival horror stuff. Um, Maybe give it a pass until a sale. Yeah. Or yeah. until it's on PlayStation Plus in like yeah, six months, maybe. Exactly. Uh, I'm glad it's coming, though, at least. Yes, you know, yeah, it gives it, people options. More options for people to play. Uh, another one, speaking of the Move controllers, uh, PlayStation announced all their Black Friday deals. Obviously, we don't make any money off that, but I did want to mention one if you're interested in getting a PSVR. Uh, there's a PSVR multi-game bundle for $200 uh, US, 249 in Canada. This is... Um, doesn't have move controllers but what it does have is a psvr headset playstation camera and five psvr games which includes astrobot rescue mission skyrim vr re7 biohazard which you can play out of vr as well everybody's golf vr and the playstation vr world bundle which was like the intro to holy crap that's cool yeah and that's That's amazing yeah so that's for 200 uh us msrp it comes with all of those games all of those games that's normally a 300 hundred dollar bundle so you're saving 100 and you're getting those five games astrobot and re7 i think are worth that alone oh my god yeah um Mm -hmm. but that bundle is huge if you want a psvr bundle with move controllers and i'm mostly mentioning this because we all like psvr a lot and it Sells well during the holidays, so we hope if you're interested, pick it up during these sales. The PSVR Blood and Truth and Everybody's Golf Bundle is 249 so actually $50 more, but you get 
uh, PSVR headset, PlayStation camera, two PS Move controllers, and Blood and Truth and Everybody's Golf VR. The Move controllers on their own go for like 70 or 80 bucks, so that's where that price nice. raise goes, but obviously you get a bit knocked down, and Blood and Truth... Yeah, Blood and Truth kicks so much so ass. Yeah. Yeah. Friendly reminder, that's like one of the best PlayStation games this year. Yeah, yeah. Hands no, that's, down. I think that's... I yeah, actually forgot on, it came out this year. I think yeah, that's, it's that's on that my top ten list. I'm it's listening. on oh, my yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also uh, during the holidays, uh, Black Friday sales, PlayStation Plus will be twenty five percent off. So renew your PlayStation Plus then. Uh, briefly wanted mine to mine just automatically that. did that, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Eh, don't worry. A Christmas miracle. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wanted to mention something not directly uh, related to. PlayStation news necessarily, but someone who has a long history with PlayStation. Uh, Amy Hennig, of course, uh, first famous for, why can't I think of that franchise's name? Uncharted. No, no, the one before it that she worked on. Actraiser? Is it Actraiser? Did she work on Actraiser? There's a, a, a game series she worked on. I'm gonna oh, uh, why can't I? Michael Jordan, uh, Chaos in the Windy City. That was it. There yeah, you go. She wrote The Wind. Uh, anyway, of course, Uncharted. I think she did actually work on that. Really? Yeah. Uh, Uncharted 2 director Amy Hennig uh, announced a new partnership where she is forming a new interactive division, they're calling it, at Skydance Media. Skydance uh, are the producers of the newer Star Trek reboots, Jack Ryan, Terminator, and the Mission Impossible movies. So she will be creating and heading a new interactive division um, along with her producing partner, Julian Beek, to, quote, create inviting and innovate experiences that Skydance is known for in features and television, so they might do some uh, adaptations. But essentially, the other quote that Skydance Media gave is, quote, the interactive media landscape is continually changing, and Amy and Julian are creative and visionary leaders of this evolution. Together, we will create within this new sphere the same type of event-level entertainment experiences that Skydance is known for in features and television. So they never really mention games. They talk about interactive entertainment, immersive stories through technology, things of that nature, but they never say games, which makes me think telltale-like experiences or VR-like experience. Or VR, yeah. or things like Erica, which came out earlier this year during Gamescom. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was a live-action sort of choose-your-own-adventure experience. It sounds like those are the types of things they're working on. Yeah. Um, they literally just shipped a very poor Terminator game like a week ago. Yeah, Terminator Resistance. Resistance. Yeah. It completely came and went. Um The timing was odd because it was two weeks after the movie already had bombed in theaters. Um, I, I don't know what you do with all that. I, I hope that there's, I, w- I would like to see the world of like video game movie adaptations return in some way that aren't just like kind of like shoddy mobile games and like quick cash ins mm-hmm. or just like, uh, sort of like VR excursions that exist like in, in a mall somewhere for a weekend. I would like something that's a little more fleshed out. I and having someone who has a knack for story like yeah, Amy makes a lot of sense. For yeah, yeah, totally. She totally gets it. So I, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what comes from all that. Yeah, it's interesting to me because it is something like obviously Amy was working at Visceral Games when that shut down, and the EA Star Wars project that was there, Ragtag, was canceled. But um, she also very publicly bounced off of Uncharted Four after yes, yeah, uh, creative differences. Differences, yeah. Um, uh, the game, by the way, I was thinking of was uh, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver, and Soul Reaver 2. Yep. But yes, she also worked on Michael Jordan, Chaos in the Windy City. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like she was obviously in a position after, especially the A stuff, of I want to pick the project I want to work on. I don't think Amy was necessarily hard up for job opportunities. Like most people in this industry probably wanted to 
have her talent involved in their studio, I would have assumed. So yeah. this feels like a choice born out of her creative interests um, rather than maybe something Skydance was fully investing in already. Like maybe this was sort of a joint agreement they came to, but I'm very curious to see what they do. Yeah, I think she just kind of got a bad hand over the last few years. It was sort of just like a, a string of tremendously cool opportunities that didn't entirely pan out. I had a, I had a, a teacher in art school in college who was, uh, he was a comic book illustrator and he did covers for DC and Marvel. And he like notoriously told the class like several times, none of my covers have gone to print. Hmm. I always got kill fees, yeah. but I still got paid. And it was like this weird lesson to us to sort of be like, sometimes you'll work on something tremendously cool and it doesn't actually go into print. But as long as you still get paid, like you're still working, you're still busy, you're still honing your craft. That's really awesome. And it doesn't mean what you did was bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's like a weird, it's serendipitous that we did eventually get a third person action Star Wars game in the same week where Amy's like, I'm starting a new thing. It's like, yeah. okay, everybody's sort of found a home. Yeah. It, it'll be very interesting to out. see. Uh, obviously I, have loved her work in the past, so I'm excited to see what she does in the future. But yeah, it's very curious to see Skydance. Films can be amazing. They're the games related to those films, not always so. So yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if she can make an awesome Mission Impossible Telltale style game, maybe. <laughs> uh, briefly wanted to mention MPD came out in between shows, but October's best-selling game, number one, of course, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. It actually then immediately became the top-selling game of the year. Uh, number two was The Outer Worlds, uh, multi-platform uh, though the developers are now Xbox exclusive owned, uh, followed by Luigi's Mansion 3, Madden NFL 20, NBA 2K20, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, WWE 2K20, FIFA 20, Borderlands 3, Ring Fit Adventure. Uh, obviously, we'll have to wait till November MBD comes out to see where Death Stranding fell, but that was launched at the very beginning of the month, yeah. which we don't have to see too much, actually. We usually see like big releases toward the end of a month now. Um, Excuse me. So it'll be curious to see where it lands there, but it was it was charting really well on Amazon when we looked around launch on Amazon, and then from I think ancillary uh, sales from other territories, it's been doing well. Yeah, MBD is North American based, but yeah, it'll be curious to see. I'm um, interested to see what the legs on that game. What look month like. two looks don't, like? Don't even. make a joke. The what baby legs from the boomerang. <laughs> that's yes. uh, that's pretty abysmal for Ghost Recon. Like yeah, we, I mean, Ghost yeah. Recon kind of, and that was a that was why we had talked about, I guess, a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week. Time it is irrelevant anymore, but of the nature that Ubisoft delayed a lot of their games to give them the time that was right, mm-hmm. and they pretty were openly like, "Yeah, Breakpoint didn't succeed like we thought it would," despite Wildlands being such a success, and they were kind of like, because Wildlands was such a success, and the way we let it be a success for two years, people were not clamoring for a new game. Yeah, and we just misjudged that. No, that's yeah. that's definitely a tough balance. Um, I think people just really suck with the first game for a long time. The first one was one of those games where if you had told, if you had asked me like, "How well do you think this game would sell?" I'd be like, oh, "I'll do okay." And I was like, "Oh, that's one of the best-selling games that year," mm-hmm. and went on to be a monumental success. That's also like the sequel is their Ubisoft Studios flagship game this year that isn't like just dance. You yeah, know, like their hardcore gaming flagship. Um, everything else got pushed to next year and then got pushed even further after this one underperformed. So it's nuts, yeah. Yeah. I feel like they also like the first one came out was it like a little bit prior to Breath of the Wild? Yeah. Like it came yeah. out in this weird sort of blind spot of this there there wasn't much to play. And this one was like it came out alongside Call of Duty. Yeah. And I feel like the first one definitely or, you know, uh, Wildlands, whatever, was like the people who, you know, walk into GameSpot like the guy knew Call of Duty? And it's like, no. 
what about that? You know, close enough. You know, it's yeah. like, it's yeah. definitely, that I want to shoot. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what <There's> do I, <laughs> yeah. Four military dudes on that box. It's exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, interesting thing to, to see. To this, go up alongside a Call of Duty game is like, hmm. Ubisoft's had a lot of up years and then this year has been a bit of a downturn. I'm very curious to see how they rebound next year because they do have a lot of big games in development and then assuredly, you know, the long rumor to next Assassin's Creed for next year possibly that we're all guessing as a launch title for next gen. They love what, launch titles. They yeah, do. I was going to say, they are at the launch of everything with some support. Even Apple, Apple Arcade, they're like, here's a Rayman. Apple Arcade, Stadia <laughs> yep. was a big thing for them. They put up a blog post today of like, we're committed and continue mm-hmm. to with Stadia because we did Project Steam a year ago stream so like this is a thing for us so ubisoft had a misfire but it's not the end of them so yeah next year we've got Watch Dogs 3 gods and monsters uh new rainbow six quarantine and then whatever else hasn't been announced yet some assassin's creed thing maybe we assume yeah there wasn't one this year so common sense would dictate next year um prince of persia (laughs) i loved that uh reboot sort of one from like 08 me too. It wasn't perfect. But the one where you couldn't die? Yeah. But it was much. like gorgeous. Yeah, it was and the art yeah. style. I love that. Um, before we get on to Jedi Fallen Order, because I do want to devote a lot of time to that, very briefly just wanted to mention a big report from Kotaku that came up earlier this week, I believe. Uh, EA is reportedly overhauling Anthem with help from its other developers. Um, in a report from Kotaku... Uh, sources claim that BioWare has been working on some kind of overhaul for Anthem, which has struggled since launch earlier this year. I'm reading from Matt Kimmer, reporter story on IGN. Uh, the project is being referred to by some as Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next, according to those sources. The report says concrete details on the overhaul are sparse, but the main takeaways are that EA and BioWare have not given up on Anthem and are instead working on content that will breathe new life into the game, similar to the Taken King expansion for Destiny. Um, Kotaku sources... Say the developer are looking into completely overhauling core Anthem systems like loot, quests, and social elements. Some of the changes reportedly include making it so that players don't need to go back to Fort Tarsus after every mission, and, quote, what a mission technically is, one source told the outlet. Quote, that was always a weird disconnect. We're trying to integrate the disparate parts of the game together. Um, This was, uh, all these details are very sparse right now, and it's very unclear, I think, where the game is going to go from here, even within the studio, based on these reports, but... Uh, IGN sources told us as well that although developers across Bioware's Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and Austin, Texas studios are both working on the Anthem overhaul, anonymous sources tell IGN that non-Bioware teams are also chipping in. Uh, EA's wider art team that supports multiple EA titles like UFC and Plants vs. Zombies have done some environment art ostensibly to free up time for the core team to do more major things, our source said. Uh, They said it was, quote, unusual for them to support Bioware since... Like EA, Dyson, Respawn, Bioware have dedicated art teams. Wow. Um, regardless of what's currently going on with uh, Anthem getting support from other EA studios to focus on this, doesn't seem like they're going to let sort of the failure first few months of Anthem dictate the future of it. What that future looks like, especially with Next Gen on the horizon, you have to assume they'd mm-hmm. want Anthem 2.0 to be something that's on Next Gen. Yeah, I mean, but, I think they originally discussed that franchise as being like a 10-year-long thing, right? Like they wanted it to have a long tail. And then, yeah, they kind of cribbed Destiny's notes in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, and then we got to E3 this year, and it they barely mentioned it. EA had an entire play day or whatever they call it. And there was almost no talk of Anthem. Um, I think one of the only ways to really rescue that thing is to completely relaunch it as sort of a free to play thing and get people in. Like I I notice a lot of sort of stuff where people will get a console and they'll go into the sort of free section on the store and they'll grab a bunch of games and then just totally fall in love with them. Um, That that's like, 
the best way to get people in to sort of be like, okay, well, what's the what's the barrier of entry here? Zero. Okay, fine, well, I'll give it great. a try. Yeah, and he, if you want to kick money into it, you can later on. EA doesn't have a ton of good faith with the you know the gaming audience anyway, and I feel like this was just such a just such a just a colossal disaster. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I mean, I think the the nuts and bolts of that game, like the the flying feels good, like the the world is gorgeous, yeah. but at the same time, it is like, hey, here's uh, Iron Man meets Avatar you know, copying destiny structure. And it's like, it feels very much like it was grown in a lab to be like, how do we make a thing that people will play? I mean, switching it to free to play would probably go a long way. Yeah. If they are going to copy destiny. And (laughs) very clearly like some of those quotes about them being like what the missions actually even like are structured and going back to Fort Tarsus. When you go to Fort Tarsus, the game is in first person and it's more a standard Bioware game. When you're out in the world, like you said, it's Avatar meets Iron Man. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely the best, like the closest to an Iron Man game we've gotten a good one in, forever i did think that that reversal made a lot more sense like destiny is first person when you're out in the world and third person when you're walking around so i guess it's like a social space you can see your avatar but as far as like it being a role-playing thing goes with anthem it actually makes sense because you're like oh when you get in the the vehicle suddenly you're seeing the whole vehicle and it's like but they did feel like two different parts like two different games yeah it was a weird thing also i mean bioware people like it because it's a you know compelling story and sensual romance options they were like no we have none of those things Go out there and kill a bunch of dinosaurs. And maybe Anthem 2.0 can add in romance. Can let you kiss the Anthem. <laughs> I just want to kiss what is the, the Anthem, anthem? It, I have no idea, actually. It's, it's explained in lore. I don't remember that. Is it? Uh, it is. It's mentioned in there. Who um, could possibly know, really? There's no one. Yeah. It's a shame. Uh, check out Fireteam Chat. They might talk about yeah, it talk in about relation it. to Destiny. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll, I'll barge into that episode. <laughs> yeah. Moving on from hey, that, uh, though. Actually, fun fact. Yes. You know what uh, Destin Legary has sitting on his desk? What? Whole box of cherry tomatoes. He does. It's really? a huge. It's really weird. Why? It's crazy. Actually, I buy does cherry. Does pop them? Like, yeah, I, don't know. I, I get groceries at Costco, and I'll get cherry tomatoes there, and they're in a pretty big container. His is about quadruple the size of the one that I get, <laughs> even at that big box idiot store. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder where he goes to get those cherry tomatoes. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the, hun- the honey I shrunk the kids. They should store. be refrigerated too. It's odd though. Destin, no, you don't have to refrigerate tomatoes. Right into beyond at IGN.com and tell us where you got those tomatoes. I'm going to repeat that because uh, you don't have to refrigerate tomatoes. What? No. Yeah. Not even they, cherry tomatoes. No, cherry tomatoes actually go bad in the fridge. Not even at work. No, leave them no. out. Leave uh, them maybe on Destin's desk. <laughs> okay. uh, Bring a head of lettuce too. Leave it on his chair. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> To a game that I don't think has any cherry tomatoes in it, but does have a lot of fun. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is out and now available. You at home are playing it. I asked for questions in the Facebook Beyond group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. We have all played it on the panel. I'm going to quickly throw to my conversation with Lucy O'Brien because we talked about her opinions on the game as well. Lucy, after weeks of absence... Has it been weeks or did you? Did I feel you show like it's been a couple of weeks. There, there, there was, I, I've made at least two fake lower third names for you. And I've absence. been very impressed with both of thank them. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're uh, a pun master. Well thank done. you. I try. Uh, that's all I have fun to do here. Uh, no, of course, I've brought you in because we're going to be discussing the new Cats trailer yep. for the next 47 minutes. Cool. I'm really happy with that. In Perfect. fact, if I could just change my job yeah. to just talking about cat cats. movie. I'd be happy. Perfect. And why don't we do that right now? No, of course. Perfect. Hi, you are the pun master. (laughs) Uh, We're actually going, of course, to be hearing your thoughts about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order since Mm -hmm. you can't join us during the uh, scheduled Beyond recording because schedules are crazy here at the end of the year. Uh, So thankfully, we were able to carve out some time uh, because you've beaten the game. I have, yes. Uh, And as the same with the rest of the conversation, we're not going to go into like 
any story spoilers that are not at least like prominent in the marketing, I think that sort of is fair game for us. And anything that we feel is there's a couple of collectible things. We will make it clear we're not going to talk about before saying like spoiler no. warning. Mm-hmm. Um, but since you've beaten it now, I haven't. I think I'm a little over halfway through. Just what are your general thoughts about the game? I think it's great. I had such a great time with it. It's definitely one of the best AAA games of the year. Yeah. Um, I think that it was almost, almost Almost amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was let down overall by uh, a little bit of a lack of polish. Um, It's quite janky. Yeah. uh, And that really, really uh, is apparent when you're playing uh, through some of its platforming sections, uh, which are plentiful. So you do tend to notice it uh, fairly frequently. Um, But, you know, that aside, for the most part, I think it's a great, like, rollicking Star Wars adventure Yes, I used that word. I said it out loud. <laughs> I didn't just write it down. I actually said it. It's quite visceral, if it's I may. It's quite visceral. Um, obviously, people will hear a little bit of my thoughts later on it, too. But I, I agree with you on the whole of, I think, like, in spite of some of its jank, it still, like, shines through because the parts that do work are so good. Yep. Um, I'm, I was curious on your side of it. Like, how big of a Star Wars fan are you in general? Obviously, it's hard not to, like, have some knowledge of Star Wars at this point. But, like... I'm a, like, I'm a Star Wars fan. Uh, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. Uh, but you know, I've seen the original trilogy multiple times and I love the new trilogy and like everyone sort of felt very lukewarm on the, on the prequels. But beyond that, you know, I haven't really dug into, (laughs) I haven't dug into much lore. So I'm not like a super like Brian Altano style Star Wars fan, but you know, I love, I love the movies. I love the characters. I love, I love the stories, and I think what this game does so well is that it really manages to capture that uh, that sort of sense of stakes, but also sense of fun. Yes, that Star yeah. Wars does so well. Like, uh, and a lot of that is because it marries a great story, great characters with this kind of Souls-inspired uh, gameplay loop. So you know, you do feel like every encounter. Like you have to put thought into it, and yeah. like if you die, that that matters in this in this game. Even a simple fight against like a small spider or a giant rat can still knock you out if you're not careful. Totally, and, and especially when they attack in numbers, yes. like you know, it's actually it's so I get so disappointed in myself when I get killed by a swarm of spiders because it's just like, oh come on, it's I'm just better a spider. Than this. I am yeah. better than this. Um, but yeah. going a little bit back to the story because you were mm-hmm. mentioning, I think it, it does a pretty great job of like a tonal balance, which it is does. what Star Wars is like inherently to me when I think of Star Wars, there are like the very serious operatic like soap opera hero's journey you know, yes. story beats to it. Yeah. And then there are also adorable, silly, crazy, weird aliens running around. Totally. And, and it, I think this game marries them very well in terms of like there are these cute adorable or gross monsters on the world but then also i'm really invested in cal and the crew of the ship story yes yes and uh cal like i was sort of initially just a bit like oh what is this you know what is this guy he seems very kind of white bread sort of thing yeah uh and when i say that i just mean he doesn't seem particularly interesting yeah um but the you know he really uh flourished for me throughout the game and in the end i was really drawn to him and of course, you, you mentioned the crew, and I think they're wonderful. And yeah. in particular, his mentor, Sarah. She is so good. She in is so, yeah. so good. And she gets, she, in my mind, actually gets the more um, complex and 
uh, narratively satisfying story arc yes, in the yeah. game. And I, I think that that was a real surprise for me and did actually kind of go off the beaten hero's journey track. And I really liked that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that performance too. And I believe I'm going to look up the actress's name cause I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe it's Deborah Wilson. Um, it is her, Deborah Wilson from memory. Wilson, yeah, yeah. She did a wonderful job. She just, she continues to kill it. Like she's been in a series of games recently where she's yeah. just nailing it. She, it's definitely one of my favorite performances in a game this year. And yep, it, it's too. one of those, things where like we talk a lot about like it's a great story for a game i think like the performances in this are just like really good performances yep, and everything yep. really shines through and it's very clever and funny what it needs to be totally and it's got yeah. some like real like there's some really great moments of just like visual gags <clears throat> like with the stormtroopers of course like the stormtroopers yeah. are just so perfect like with their little quips yeah you know and and just they're, they're really played up to comedic effect there's some great like the shouts in this game that the enemies do are some of my favorite in a while like whether it's the uh there's the heavier troopers i forget their name but the ones who essentially have like the batons the stun batons like the assault troopers yeah Yeah. if you kill a standard stormtrooper they'll be like yeah we didn't need him anyway or things like that they're they're just so cruel to one another like oh no why did that happen like they're they're, such they like they acknowledge that they're grunts which i love i really appreciate it and i love the and we can get into the combat a little bit, the like scale of it, because yeah. we were like, it's easier to take on a small spider than it is the larger spider anyway totally. you can yeah. fight. But even with, you know, human sized enemies, there's a wide range, whether it comes to a standard trooper who is just shooting their blaster at you. And man, there is, there are a few things that satisfying this year in a game, like some of controls gameplay for me is, but the ability to perfectly time block. Yep one of their blasts back at them. Oh, it's just so good. Every time. Like, yeah. I always wait for them. And I'll, I'll do this all day. Yeah. Like, it's the Captain America, I can do this all day sort of thing. It's just so great. But I love that variety. How did you, as someone who has a bigger love than I do in experience with the Souls, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Souls games, Bloodborne, how do you feel this combat measured up to those systems? Because it's obviously influenced by those, but yeah. how do you think it stands on its own? Um, well? Yeah, I think that the combat, for the most part, is really satisfying. I think it totally nails the feeling of wielding a lightsaber, which is so crucial for a Star Wars game. Um, In in comparison to the Souls games, uh, it is a little less precise, uh, which does matter on higher difficulties and can get a little frustrating because it's like, come on, like, that wasn't my fault. That's, I feel like I'm fighting the game here, which can be a problem um, considering, you know, the Souls games are all about precision. Uh, but for the most part, I think it actually does a pretty good job of more or less replicating that kind of a com- uh, combat system. I played, I started on Master and then like just played the rest on, on Jedi Knight, Knight which, yeah. is like which is like the, the normal, normal difficulty. Yeah. And I still found that, uh, you know, especially boss encounters were genuinely challenging. Yeah, I think there's still a challenge even at that normal level. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really liked that because again, it gives that sense of, high stakes and yes. that's so yeah. important and yeah like i i felt there was one there was one guy near the end of the game i won't tell you anything about him but there was one guy who was just giving me so much grief and i was like okay i'm just gonna keep going and just keep going and i finally just i did it and again like like so, like souls games and the best souls encounters you really have to do everything very Precisely and, and and very much plan exactly what you're going to do, uh, you know, in, in, in sort of against what their attacks are. Yeah. That's a really clumsy way of, 
of explaining <laughs> what is essentially like a really elegant system. Um, but, you know, you have to think about every encounter. And yeah. in the end, like I sort of switched things up with this guy and decided uh, to try a different tactic. And it just and it worked. And I just I got that same exhilaration you yeah. get from defeating a really big, difficult um, Souls boss. And that was amazing. It was just so exhilarating. And yeah. I think that for the most part, like the game does very well with that. Yeah, I, I think it really captures those elements very well from even the smaller scale battles to the larger boss battles. Yeah. And like there is a lightsaber fight with an enemy we've seen in a bunch of trailers, so it's not spoiling that. But you do fight, obviously, someone else with a lightsaber. Um, and the first time you do is more of one of those like fake out battles. But yeah. then there's another one where you're fighting for a longer period of time. And the like the strength and power that it felt like the lightsaber had on both sides of it. And it was like, oh, this is, I need to match up to this person. Like I have to punch up. There's a a smart, really like uh, the variety to the enemies. It feels like you have to adapt. Yep. And on that note, for people who are listening and like have just started playing, um, take the time to explore because you can upgrade your force that way. And honestly, I didn't <laughs> really upgrade so my force. It, and it's it like my force meter, even near the end of the game, was really slight. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, it, that I kind of crippled myself in that way. So, yeah, it's definitely worth seeking out those chests and, and, and getting those upgrades. It can make or break fights for me. Yeah, definitely. Especially on, a, I'm playing on Master for mm-hmm. the most part. I've knocked it down once or twice, but playing mostly on Master. And yeah, it's like, if I don't have my force powers... I will wait out a battle or just die so yeah. I can go back. And it's just like that feel, you know, like when you're like, okay, I know I could just use push right now to be perfect for slow down. And then yep. you press the button. It's like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, Cause your force like, meter uh, is empty. Yeah. Yeah. I had that way too much. That'd be a very funny uh, goof in one of the movies. If one of them is just like, <laughs> no, it's not, bam, oh, bam, my it meter. makes that noise. That yeah. bam, 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 bam. Um, but speaking of the exploration and stuff, let's sort of wrap up with that because I do think there are really great elements of it, but I do also think that's where the, uh, like the, the jank. problem, yeah, the jank and the problems with the game most shine through. Yeah. I love the setup of the like Metroidvania style, come back and explore things. Yep. So I think that setup works very well, but it on a like mechanical level doesn't always shine through. And I know you felt sort of similar. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was less about general exploration and more about the sort of the uncharted style cinematic sequences that rely very much on. Um, just you kind of pressing a button to get from one spot to the next. Yeah. Um, and in Uncharted, there's there's a sort of snap-on effect that, that means that... Because these sequences shouldn't really, in my mind, be about precision. They should be more about the spectacle. And I'm talking about, like, when you're, say, sliding down an ice slide. Those are my least favorite parts. And then, and then yeah. you, like, you know, you spin off and then and, and you've got a wall run and then you've got to jump onto a rope and all this sort of thing. Like, really, you're sort of meant to feel a sense of breathless, like, wow, I just that was so much fun. I can't believe I just did that. Um, but instead, the game will punish you if you slide ever so slightly to the left or ever so slightly to the to the right um and again if you if you miss a very precise rope swing you know you fall down and that whole sequence is kind of interrupted like the momentum is totally ruined yeah and i don't think that's really what the devs were going for with those sequences and 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 i found them so frustrating and like by the end I remember there was this one ledge where it required me to, something was wrong with the ledge. It was like glitching or something because <laughs> yeah. I was sort of falling through it. Um, and I was meant to like do a kind of a, a leap to the end. And like, I just, 
it just didn't work. Yeah. And I ended up doing it like sort of eight times. And like I couldn't even get my um my experience back because I was already on the slide oh, no, and I've I couldn't hold down the button to, in yeah. order to get my experience back. Yeah. So I was just sliding past it and every time I was like, God yeah. damn you, <laughs> stupid janky game. There goes my force powers. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know, it was just, it was, it was frustrating. It just felt like it just needed a little bit more polish. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a game that relies so much on platforming, that would have gone a long way. And in my mind, like, that's what would have accelerated it from what essentially is an um, almost an amazing game to an actually amazing game. Yeah, it's the game as a whole demands sort of a precision from the player, but the way it measures your platforming is it's almost requiring too much precision. But and, and, but it's precision that you can't actually anticipate until yes. you know the route that you need to yeah. be going down. So, for example, you know, you need to know that you need to turn left at this point in the slide and not right, but you don't know that until you fail. And it's just like, and that's not the controls, satisfying. The control's a little, he'll veer off course. Yeah, and so yeah. Like, oh, well, great, yeah. yeah. I, I also was running into a funny thing where uh, you can you end up being able to pull ropes to you and running, but if you are jumping essentially and pull the rope in midair, but your feet hit the ground again, it negates you grabbing the rope. And so there was one rope I had to try seven or eight times yeah. because he just kept falling off it. And it wasn't because I missed the jump. It was just because that timing, that weird thing wasn't anticipated. And so it just kind of set you off. And I, w- I agree with you. It's the biggest thing is it ruins the momentum of what should be an empowering like platform. Absolutely. Section. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I know that this might sound petty, like these complaints, but um, my thing is that, that there were enough of them scattered throughout the game sure. that it just yeah. it did affect my overall experience. Yeah, there, there's a few uh, in yeah. each world. Yeah, and sure. it, it was yeah. just a shame because like everything else works so well. It's so great. Yeah. Um, and it was just the one thing that, that let it down. But again, you know, it is, it is a small complaint um, against a much larger great game. And yeah, it's definitely a game of the year for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely up there for me as well. And it's one of those things, you and I said this uh, yesterday when we were talking about the game, you can sense the amazing sequel in this game. Totally. It's like, definitely, it's got that Assassin's Creed to Assassin's Creed 2 to, yeah. you know, the, like it really feels like the beginning or something great, like the foundation is yeah. there. And the fact that this foundation is so good. So, so it good. It means where they can go from here is just going to be so fun. Yeah. But yeah, Overall, we really liked this game. Really, really liked yeah, it. Yeah, I'm super excited. This was like a nice, pleasant... This is kind of the biggest game to end the year. Like, this is the last big game, and it's nice to have something that both surprised us and really like satisfied a lot of high expectations in a lot of ways. Yep. So, thank you, Lucy, for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm just going to go watch the Cats trailer again. Have fun. I will. Uh, go do that. We'll do a breakdown on next week's episode Sounds if you great. want for like two hours or so. Cool, cool, cool. Perfect. Uh, and Jonathan, I'll throw it back to you a couple hours in the future. Good luck. Thank you so much, Lucy, for those opinions of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I do remember them from two hours earlier today. Uh, I do want to talk, though, how you both are feeling about the game. I wanted to start out the discussion, though. Uh, Ansamana from the group said, just please don't spoil it. We are going to stay away from like story-defining spoilers of the game. Obviously, we're going to talk about some of the mechanics, the mm-hmm. worlds. Pretty much anything that's been within preview and trailer purview is, I think, how we kind of stick to yeah, it. I, I will say stay off of YouTube until you're done with this game because oh, really? the, there are like some relentlessly spoilery thumbnails. Oh, interesting. That just, it, it just sucks. It just like shows just key conflicts and moments and characters, and you're like, what? That's, I didn't know the main boss of this game was Wicked the Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> 
Qui-Gon dies? What the <laughs> hell? No, you I become think, Baby Yoda in the first spo- 20 minutes. Spoilers are kind of like subjective, but honestly, just seeing certain images, if you have enough gears turning, that can totally ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just be like, oh, I know exactly what that means, and now it's ruined for me. And That's a pain. It's yeah. been a bad time for that with Star yeah. Wars these days. But uh, I do want to say, if you're playing the game, it's not an easy game. Uh, and if you are playing, check out the IGN wiki. Our team is putting an amazing amount of work into that wiki to answer all your questions and to help you through some of the labyrinthine levels that you'll come across. Yep. But to start off the discussion here, how do you both feel about this game? Brian, you finished it. Matthew yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. Uh, uh, it's it's really it's actually really cool. I, I, I talked about the preview event I went to on this show, and I got to play three hours of it. And I was like, this feels like it might be my game of the year and it's really shaping up to be something. And you always have to caveat that with like, but the developers could totally drop the ball and (laughs) they didn't. Like this yeah. is is this, this, your, is this your game of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, and it's it's like and what about Shenmue three? That's not out yet. Yeah, well, we it, we have not played that. We it, have not played yeah. it. Just for yeah. reference, don't don't give up hope yet. It could always be Shenmue. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go <laughs> ahead. Just go Things could turn around. It might be Shenmue three in the zero hour of this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we. Uh, the, why would you do that? You're summoning Shenmue three fans on me now. <laughs> you. Ask, you ask. I just really wanted you to have a terrible year. Yeah, <laughs> great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for pooping on my weekend. Um, the, uh, the 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 thing about this game that everybody has like sort of documented by now is that it's essentially this like comfort food kit bashing of a bunch of pre-established systems and other games. Uh, video games are uh, an iterative medium, but at the same time, they're also revolutionary and 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 cutthroat groundbreaking and sometimes i don't think they necessarily need to be like i think being ambitious and you know reinventing the wheel and creating these brand new systems is awesome and it's important and it's necessary it needs to keep happening to further the future of this medium that said i think sometimes if you take a bunch that works you put it together and it and you put it in a star wars like wrapper and it kicks ass and that coincides with this sort of lack of Star Wars games we've had for a very long time. It's sort of this perfect storm, and it the final product is this, this really excellent package that I've, I've I think I've put like twenty four twenty five hours into now. If if more games decided, what if we combine Metroid with Uncharted and Tomb Raider and a universe people love? Yeah, keep doing that. Yeah, That's not a bad throw, thing. throw in a little yeah. Zelda, a little Prince of Persia, yeah. and then like a little bit of Dark Souls, and it's like, yeah, you you have something there. Yeah, um, I I do think it's interesting that this game has uh, difficulty options. Um, that's we we spent a significant portion of I believe it was this year. The the arguments are so tired that I, <laughs> I hard it's hard. No, that, to was, that was a Sekiro conversation. Yeah, yeah, that was Which this year. Was this year about whether or not you should or shouldn't have difficulty options in games. And I think one of the things that I maintained was like if FromSoft wants to ship their games without those options, that's entirely their prerogative. If the game sells well, then that is the ultimate message. If they if the sales are dying and they're like we have to find a way to boost these then sure add them star wars jedi fallen order just kind of quietly crept in and was just like well we have a souls born style game with difficulty options they didn't make a big deal about it they didn't say like here's our answer to the debate they just put them there mm-hmm. and if you want to pump up the difficulty 
Go for it. If you're getting your butt kicked on a boss and you want to drop it down and keep exploring, go for it. The game doesn't ding you in any meaningful way. It, it does, does kind of neg you in the menu a little bit. It does, I felt yeah. like the description of Jedi Knight was like, oh, you never played an action game before? I guess try this one. Yeah. Even though that's the normal mode. But yeah. I, I think they're well balanced. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but the, the game itself is exactly really what I would hope I had hoped it would pan out to be, which was sort of like this year's version of, of something that we didn't get this year we didn't get a god of war a tomb raider or an uncharted this year we did get sekiro which is awesome because that gave me my souls born itch um but this game basically took all of these great systems and gave me this world that i really enjoyed exploring um one of my gripes about this game is it does have some technical issues yeah playing on ps4 pro i did see some texture pop in there was a couple times where like i was terrified that the game would hard crash like it would stutter um there's definitely some issues there there's obviously some of those the loading tunnels yeah. which are like you'll see cal and bd1 who is like my favorite video BD1 game is amazing oh my god he's like yeah. one of my favorite sidekicks in video game history he's ever so, so yeah. also like in my top three star wars droids yeah. but they go through a lot of those tunnels which are very clearly loading new environments but they're interesting like i think those will go away next gen yeah. but i i will say i think we had said this before air those are like a dime a dozen in games yeah. this generation. I think these are my favorite because they are so, so much is happening as you're moving through They're the They're pretty dynamic. Like yeah. BD1 is animated very fun as he moves through all the spaces. There will sometimes be creatures that pop in and flow out and it feels a little bit more like, okay, at least there's something going on. Yeah, I love the lightsaber combat in this game. Um, the more you upgrade certain things, I'm going to stay away from spoilers, but mm-hmm. it gets a lot more sort of manic and modular yeah. in, in, in terms of like, chaining and combining a bunch of different moves and i was happy to find out that those actually translate over to traversal as well like force pulling certain things towards you after wall running and chaining them into this this and this turns into this like really interesting experience that you don't get in tomb raider on uncharted because those games don't have magical mystical powers (laughs) um it's also like this it's got this endlessly customizable lightsaber that amounts to very little because you don't actually really see much of it in the game it's so small but you know in your head that you have something like red dead red dead redemption customization for guns where you're like you want the pearl handled finish and your revolver Mm -hmm. and the tassel and you're like i don't see it it's it's like i I like changing yeah Yeah. i know it's there Uh, so speaking of that johnny from the facebook group asked what color would your lightsaber be uh if you were a jedi so one what is your lightsaber color in the game that you've been playing and what would you want your real life lights i immediately color? went to green mm-hmm. so did i yeah, yeah. that's green that's is, green is good i i one of my one of my biggest issues with star wars is that there are only like canonically like four colors of lightsabers yeah which is horse apples that was dictated by lucas and <laughs> attack of the clones where that could be any color of the rainbow instead there's like three colors and then mace windu yeah i would like a yellow lightsaber like plo koon had in jedi power battles but which since has been swept from retcon or i read that this is uh, correct me if i'm wrong because you guys know star wars better than i do by a mile uh this is canonically in the new like canon not eu the first time a canonically orange lightsaber has been included in this new like official canon yeah which is kind of crazy yeah it's nuts um that's a pre-order bonus unfortunately yeah that's one of the few like what yeah there's a not microtransactions in this game, but they did obviously have to do some pre-order thing. And this I actually asked PR about that, and I didn't get an answer back on whether or not those will be released I to the general public if, at you some know, point. Three months down the line, they probably are just aren't allowed to say. Yeah, I mean, we should we should reiterate this is a this is an EA Star Wars game that shipped without any multiplayer or any microtransactions or any anything of that. It is this is respawns storytelling vision through and through. This is their fourth game 
this generation. Since, well, since the studio was founded. Yeah, since yeah. the studio was founded. And their fourth game that has above like an 83 or 84 on Metacritic. And the fourth game that has wall running. Yeah. Yeah. They love wall running. They I do. Think, I think in order to get into respawns like as a job there, you have to wall run. You have to try yeah, out a wall. You have, you have to, to, to not yeah. parkour. Yeah. Uh, Max, how have you been enjoying the game? Oh, God, I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's exactly what I wanted. It's it's bits and pieces of things I already liked. Uh, it is, I mean, uh, you mentioned all the things that it's reminiscent of, but it totally does have some Soulsborne guts in there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, partially the difficulty, but also sort of the structure and like unlocking shortcuts, which is cool. Um I've been playing on a uh, little tiny baby mode because I'm a coward, but also because I'd rather <laughs> game get, journalist. Yeah. No, I'd rather get frustrated by Bloodborne. Like I want to when I'm when I'm being a, a, a Jedi, I want to feel like a badass. Like I want to just run in there and just mess stuff up. And the part that's fun for me is all the puzzles and you know traversal and just exploration. So. Yeah, the, oh. the sense of like yeah. world building and yeah. the way it's crafted is to, so fun to explore. To piggyback on that, I think a lot of the the difficulty in the Soulsborne games works and is kind of married to the kind of inherent fear that you have turning a corner in that mm-hmm. game there's a lot of like really scary stuff in 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 dark souls and bloodborne like it's horror themed and horror inspired right and like you turn the corner and there's this like nightmare monster you have to kill like some giant giant horse beast skeleton whereas fallen order has like you know it has some scary some creepy enemies but like and like big spiders and stuff which are just flat out gross but not a lot of like oh that is a horrifying thing that's going to kill me there's stuff that kicks your ass like i don't is, that I, I like bloodborne because it is deeply upsetting and depressing i <clears throat> star wars this is already in the dark times it's already very upsetting but i don't need to see this like this, you know teenage padawan get killed by a scout trooper with a tonfo <laughs> like i don't need that i'm like i, I know it's already <laughs> And it does it does straddle the line to me like tonally, and I said this when I spoke to Lucy of like telling a serious story because at the end of the day there are like soap operatic hero's journey aspects of Star Wars, of course, mm-hmm. but there are also the weird, silly creatures and world design, and I feel like this God. game gets both of those. Yeah, Such a good yeah, balance. yeah, like just even on Bogano, which is the first world you go to when you can start exploring worlds, and just are they called? Uh, Bogdoys or whatever the like little scampering guys running around yep. bunnies the, the basically bunnies versus Bogdos which are these giant salamander guys that are it's there's so also great. like there's a creature in the periphery on that planet that you can't reach that just exists there yeah. he's just this like gigantic like whale lizard slug thing that just like yawns and every now and then will stick his head in a hole and like mm-hmm. have you noticed that I haven't no. he's oh. off to the side I spent okay. 20 minutes jumping off different ledges to trying see to find if I him get to him yeah i was yeah. like i want to meet him or kill him yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah this is a obviously this this game takes place after uh revenge of the sith yes after order, order 66 happens and i think that's like a really cool place to tell a story i feel like it's a really explored area in star wars and i'm usually kind of burnt out on like all the stuff that happened in the margins or in the prequels there's like so many shows about that um but this, this is, one this is like the deepest into like the like un- unexplored territory. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like this and solo that exist in that time frame. Yeah. It's pretty far into like the almost new hope era. And so you have a lot of like, it's, it's actually a really smart way to sort of bridge generations. Cause the prequels kids, uh, will find a lot of stuff in this game that they'll really dig. And then the people that grew up watching like a new hope and stuff like that, this is right on the edge of that. And so yeah. you'll see like probe droids and you'll see other stuff that's like recognizable from that era. It's also really like dig. a really interesting fusion visually because the, I mean, one of the issues with the prequels is that was a lot of developing CGI technology and yep. it was kind of like, you'd see a lot of stuff happening where you're like this, this is a work in progress. We're still not quite there yet. And the original trilogy is all practical effects. We're at a point with video games where it's, Almost photorealism, but everything is still CGI. So we've yeah. got like hyper realistic, like, 
I mean, this is this is a, I would say visually like a step down from what we're used to with like the Battlefront games. Yeah, but it works because of it. Yeah, like it's kind of like the characters all have like a little bit of a video gamey look to them. Yeah, there's definitely a little like rough around the edges technology stuff, which yeah. Lucy and I got into a bit, so I don't want to dwell too much on that. But yeah, there's definitely a level of like, but it, it they're hides, working in Unreal yeah. versus working in Frostbite, which are very but it, different. It hides, it hides the seams really well. And yeah. it also, yeah. like what I what I adore is like how it, it cherry picks different parts of like the, the, the canon. Like it really does a wonderful job of, of connecting the two trilogies. Yeah. Like yeah. a really good job. Um, um, sorry. I was going to say like, like the fact that I'm, you see, you see vehicles from both trilogies kind of interacting with each other, and the fact that the whole thing uh, sort of opens and on like a, yeah, too. and on a junkyard planet, and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, so like here's here's the things we're used to looking shiny and clean, looking dirty, and here's the things we're looking like used to looking dirty, looking shiny and clean. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's a good way of putting yeah. it. Um, speaking of all the story elements of it, John asked, do you think Cal's uh, as a protagonist? Fits in well as a post-Order 66 Jedi. Following up from last week's discussion of maybe not having Aloy as the main Horizon protagonist, can you see them leaving Cal behind in the future? Maybe exploring the Sith side or having a well-known Jedi in the lead, Cough, Obi-Wan, Cough. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to talk about this largely of because they have, and I've, this is a thing I've harped on a lot just because I think it's really interesting that they did this from the start. They've called it always Star Wars Jedi colon Fallen yes. Order. And that clearly dictates to me Star Wars Jedi is a brand they want to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, no, this, this will is, be a franchise. For this sure. is Star Wars Arkham. Yeah. yeah. Without <laughs> spoiling anything, and I, I'm not there, do we feel like it makes sense to continue Cal's story in certain ways, like the characters that we see I mean, here. No, or, he, I or mean, he's, he's killed by Wicked the Ewok in the sure, final yeah, show. No, well, does it true. make sense to try like different Jedi stories? Do we think like an anthology like series? Could yeah, work? Yes. Yes. And yes. And no, like, the weird thing that's happening is right now within the same week, we got the Mandalorian and we got fallen order. And both of those things exist at the tail end of a trilogy after a massive battle has caused a destruction of a significant group of people. Uh, in one, it's the Jedi at the tail end of order 66. And at the other, it's the empire at the tail end of return of the Jedi. And these characters that are established in both of these stories happening concurrently but in different timelines are essentially never seen or heard from again in the films later on which makes it interesting because it it implies that if there's any importance with these characters they are eventually either killed off or forced into hiding in some way or the galaxy's huge and you just don't pay attention to them anymore a galaxy should be pretty big it should but what if yeah. it was just about six people in one family <laughs> for 45 years and yoda went to college together <laughs> what if darth vader made c-3po yeah all these questions answered and more in the prequels. What if Darth Maul was friends with Han Solo's girlfriend? And he called her. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Is he the one who's appeared in the most things? Because he's also in both animated series, Darth Maul. Darth Maul? He's like in... I mean, other than... The he's one, in a lot like, of stuff. The no, it's main, Wicked the Ewok is Wicked in the, the most Ewok, things. Course, yeah, he's yeah. in two Ewok films and Return of the Jedi. That's more than any other Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah, he's a, it's actually him and another Ewok are dressed up trying to sneak into a movie in a Darth Vader costume. That's how Darth Vader was invented. I'd watch that movie. Everybody knows that. Uh, wanted to quickly also from the group, Jamal asked, I'm going to bleep myself, why the F did they not put a fast travel option for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? And so, so you could unlock the elevators. Uh, yes, this is a game very much uh, built around unlocking shortcuts as you progress through levels, labyrinthine tunnels that go all throughout different planets and essentially encouraging you to backtrack once you get new powers so you can explore. Yeah. 
I think that's the reason fast travel is not included in terms of like encouraging you to explore every nook totally. and cranny. But it would be nice. I it, think it, it would would have been cool if they had an exploration thing. Like, I'm, obviously, I'm, it's still a, a charming thing to me. But I can absolutely see myself getting frustrated if I'm trying to like go back and do things. It would have been nice if like later on they were like, "Hey, here's." Jedi teleportation or whatever. It's fast travel, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's as like egregious as the way they sort of like walled off fast travel and horizon for the first few hours mm, until sure. you unlocked it. It feels more like like you're in bed and you're thirsty and you don't want to walk into the kitchen to get a glass of water. You're like, it's just far enough where it's a pain in the ass. Um, I, I didn't find it that frustrating, but there was definitely a few times on one or two planets where... Uh, the Metroid Prime map system, which was usually my friend as a guy who grew up playing those games, got pretty like cumbersome with the amount of sort of like ups and downs. Yeah, and the, like elevators of where they go and where they end. The up and down system of like different levels and it being this obviously uh, hologram esque. The the de- design of it is smart. But yeah, it's not always the most useful to actually get through a level. Yep. If they're not going to do fast travel, I think a cool thing for like a, a world like this would just be sort of a like an on star like a just a map quest type thing where there's like a visual arrow Planet, guiding you. Yeah. I was like surprised there was a line through like the that. thing. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Or even like in the, you know, Jedi pr- prayer fire bonfire pits or whatever. If, if there was just an option of like return to ship, like yeah. It, yeah, yeah. not even like to not even to have people like, you know, jumping all around the map, but just a, an instant return to ship. Cause a lot of the missions funnel into, uh, your crew, which is awesome, being like, "Hey, come back in and hang out and check your hollow table for further instructions or whatever." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to do that long, sort of arduous return back. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of your ship, uh, keep going back to it. Keep checking things throughout the world. You can because Wicked the Ewok might be waiting for you. Wicked the Ewok right. might be ready to kill you. Uh, but overall, obviously, we've really enjoyed this game. I think there's a lot more to talk about. We're unfortunately a little short on time. Damn it. So we'll talk to, in the future to bookend this really quick, yes. there is a side mission that you should do where BD1 scans things in the game and you can bring seeds back to your ship and grow them into little trees. And one of those trees, we don't know yet, could grow cherry tomatoes. <laughs> Destin, let like us know Ewok if that's cherry tomatoes. <laughs> it will grow, Wicked the Ewok. Uh, no, I'm very curious to hear more from you at home. If you've been playing it, write in to beyond at IGN.com. Let us know how you're feeling about it. This is, I think a game as we go into the end of the year, we'll be talking about a lot for end of year discussions overall, just where this franchise goes in the future. It's a pretty good game. You should play it. Yeah. Uh, like a star war. I like a good, star, good star war. Star war. Yeah. Uh, before we quickly wrap up just a couple more segments. And one of those is memory card. <laughs> It did work. Memory card. Uh, I'm going to bring up the memory card in particular that I want to read this week. But of course, memory card is our weekly segment where we read uh, letters from you, the viewers and listeners at home of your wacky, weird, happy, fun, sad, whatever memories from your PlayStation life. You write in right into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. We read those on the show. I forgot to star this one. So if you guys wouldn't mind again, please vamping for me for 30 seconds. Want to talk about Wicked the Ewok? Sure. He's pretty cool, huh? I think he's great. Can we talk about that that weird uh, like energy bar that he takes from Leia and Return of the Jedi? Oh yeah, that Luna bar. It is a little. <laughs> he Luna bites bar. it. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I, I know he eats well because he has like tr- you know devices that trap things all over the place. It's odd because I had like a a, a a healthy breakfast this morning. Uh-huh. I was walking to work down Market Street in San Francisco, and there was a woman there with a cart, and she was giving out Cliff bars. 
and it was like dark chocolate sea salt with almonds. And I was like, ah, oh, you got me. So I took it. I have a feeling he, uh, Wicked had a very similar day where he woke up. He ate one of those like weird mooses that they catch in that I bag. I almost guarantee he just had, he got violently ill after that. Like I <laughs> love the eating Princess Leia. I was like, hey, here's a Luna bar I had in my hat. Do you want it? And he's like, I've only ever had meat in my life and maybe berries and like live, you know. Oh, no, he's eating people. Yeah, no, people. That's yeah. me. That's what I meant by that. Ben wrote into beyond.ign.com with memory card Ben, who has actually written in before uh, and originally said he was going to write this in about three months ago, but he did, so he's kept up his promise. Uh, ben wrote in and said he had a follow-up to his previous emails and attached a picture of his child in an adorable Halloween costume. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but he had a uh, Kingdom Hearts memory card. So here it is. I moved around a lot between the ages of 11 and 16 and it caused me to have a pretty bad anxiety disorder. It got to the point where I was having panic attacks and had a real difficulty going to public places, especially school. When I was 16, my family moved to New Hampshire and we decided that I would take a year of homeschooling before going back. Now I've been playing games since I was three and they've always been the perfect way for me to come down and take my mind off of my anxiety. Naturally, when my mom told me that the two kids, brothers from church, were going to start coming over once a week so that I had some interaction with people my age, I knew just what we'd be doing. It wasn't long before John, Jesse, and I became quick friends over our weekly gaming sessions of Mario Party, Time Splitters 2, Call of Duty, and Guitar Hero. While multiplayer games were great, I also couldn't wait to show them some of the single-player games I was going through, handing off the controller to rotate players. When I happened upon Kingdom Hearts and watched the opening cinematic, I had to share it because it was one of the most beautiful and stunning visuals I had seen in the game at the time. And as a seven-year-old, or however old I was when that happened, I get that. Little did I know that the theme of friendship would be so prevalent in the series. While I shared updates about the game with my new friends, I will never forget staying up late and finishing it on my own. And the impact of that ending, in a time when I felt disconnected and isolated the most, video games had helped me forge friendships and hold on to them, and something about that final boss fight and closing cinematics connected with me in a way that no video game has since. Twelve years later, Jesse was the best man at my wedding, and John was a groomsman, and I'm still playing the newest Call of Duty with Jesse on PS4. I've also managed to get my anxiety in check. I regularly get in front of a class of college students to teach English, and I've actually been flying out of state to conduct interviews for my doctoral research on video games and education, of course. Holy crap. Wow. Uh, sorry that turned into a lengthy email. As I said before, I appreciate all you do with Beyond and showing the power of video games through storytelling. Feel free to take this one or leave it. Wanted to take it. Uh, just thought I'd share. Please send my thanks and well wishes to the Beyond crew as well as MVC, but they're not here except for Brian. So tell them, I guess. It's okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let them know. Oh, and final quick note. My wife and I are expecting our first child in April and I had to laugh. Uh, so forgive me about uh, the saying it was your child in the Halloween costume. And I had to laugh when my sister got us a quote, player three has entered the game onesie. I immediately thought of Brian saying nobody plays three player multiplayer games <laughs> a few months ago. Isn't uh, that great to be just like that relative that's just like, actually, yes, yeah. <laughs> when people mean well. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Ben, for writing with that memory. If you have a memory you'd like to share in the segment, write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read those on the show to come. Who was the child? I, I think he might have accidentally written first. I have to go back to his original email. And unless you guys want to vamp. Did he just att- attach like that. a random picture of a kid to it? You guys vamp more about uh, Star Wars. You know, so anyway, I think that if you can eat a like barbecued adult man, you can eat a Luna bar or whatever. What if he's got like peanut allergies? I want to ask about, did he ever wear a green hoodie? Wicked? Yeah, because they made an action figure that comes with like an alternate hoodie he, instead of that like little nasty brown one. He's oh, really? Got, like a little green hooded sweatshirt. It looks like a Frodo hoodie, like a little like a little elvish, you know, 
but like it's just an action and i don't know if that's from one of the ewok adventure films because it's been a cool minute since i watched those oh interesting yeah they're, they're not on they're disney not plus, plus yeah because so they're not canon watch them it yet. was his nephew there we go. I found Wait, the original Wicked? email. The the, the kid oh, in the yeah, photo yeah. in the costume. It's a That's very right. adorable photo. Uh, it was his nephew. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for writing with that question. Just to quickly wrap up the show, Max, Alex asked, what's in Max's pocket? whole bunch of cherry tomatoes I stole off of Destin's desk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, do I have any? Oh, actually, wait. Anything? Hold on. What do we got? What do we got? We got a... Uh, I got these glasses because I'm getting old. Yeah. Wearing these glasses a little bit here and there. I look like... <laughs> Stabbing yourself in the eye with them. Stabbed yourself. Because I couldn't see because I wasn't wearing the glasses. (laughs) I like them. Yeah, I don't know. Like I I should probably wear these when I'm staring at a screen all day, but I don't want to do that thing. Is I also just got a haircut. I don't want people to be like, "Hey, what's what's up with the the new glasses?" Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, they would just not recognize me at all, like Superman cartoons trained us to believe. (laughs) Sadly, I recognize you, and I think it all looks good. I think I have anything else cool in my pockets. Except for the cherry tomatoes. No, I had to go through airport security before I came in here. That's fair. Yeah, I thought it was a plane, but it's actually a... It's just a studio. Uh, Thank you so much for asking what's in Max's pocket. Maybe we'll find out next week. Who knows? Anyway, uh, that was Podcast Beyond episode 618. Thank you all so much for listening and watching to this episode. Beyond is normally live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific when we're not kicking over cans at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGNBeyond, and I... uh, the podcast services around the world. That can was full of cherry tomatoes. They're all over the place. <laughs> Will you stop? We'll clean tomatoes? it up after. We'll get Lucy to do it. She wasn't here. Um, of course, when we're not recording the show, we are also on IGN.com, YouTube.com slash IGN, making a bunch of fun videos and articles and wonderful things for all of you at home to watch, listen, and read. So please check all of that out. It keeps these literal lights on. Um, sometimes they're not on. It's sometimes your fault because yes. you didn't watch enough. <laughs> read the articles. Read our um, videos. Power us with the love. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else uh, you guys want to quickly shout out that you're working on now um just if you're using social media or twitter and stuff like that just tweet at destin legary and say hey i'd love a big handful or two of those delicious plump cherry tomatoes that's a very good point but also go check out the the article we did on the silliest star wars games we wrote a feature about like all of the goofiest and funniest and weirdest star wars games including that that weird lucas learning one about jar jar's journey which is like a Newgrounds dress-up sim for I give it nine out of ten cherry tomatoes. <laughs> also, Brian has a new record going up this Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I should have yeah. led with that. You dumbass. Yeah. yeah, I have a new album coming out on Friday. It's called Revangelion. So go listen to that. It's gonna be free on every major streaming platform. It's based on the hit anime. Yeah, that I Naruto. spent years trying to get you to watch, and you finally watched. Good and you job. Made an album. <laughs> you did it. I'm gonna be putting out a Bloodborne T-shirt probably. I think you should. Yeah, I'm gonna be making uh, IG and the musical. It's coming eventually. I like That's all I got. Kingdom Hearts uh, cherry tomato pot pie. It's going to be really <laughs> disgusting. Uh, you can at Destin Legary at D-E-S-T-I-N-L-E-G-A-R-I-E with all of your cherry tomato comments. Don't uh, even say anything. Just send him the highest res photo of cherry tomatoes you can find on the internet. Please do that. And please. just be like, did you lose these? Do you need more of these? Please do that. Uh, and if you want to find us on Twitter, don't add us in those tweets. Don't let, let him on to this Yeah, at all. don't. No. But you can find us on Twitter. I'm at J.M. Dornbush. Max is at Mexico and Brian is at Agent Bizzle uh, and Lucy is at Lucy O'Brien again this has been Podcast Beyond <laughs> thank you so much for listening and watching and putting up with all these cherry tomatoes and as always Beyond Beyond Hey there it's Rachel Ballinger and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored it's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.